Welcome to The Uncommon Truth and journeying with us as we pursue purpose and the principles of performance that empower each of us to live our ideal form of life. Today, Bob and I are joined with our regular and special guest host, Tony Hallberg. Tony is definitely a regular guest host and part of the Uncommon Truth team. He's been bringing valuable insight into many areas. Tony is an amazing husband, father, author, and CEO of The Best Box and Campus Fitness. He's leading in these times of transition and constantly sharing his knowledge with all of us as a master of digital business. I feel that today's questions will create an excellent discussion and help us find the uncommon truth about digital integrity. So Tony, can you share your train of thought on this topic of digital integrity? And then we'll lead to the questions that we're going to discuss today. Yeah, absolutely. And definitely, thanks for having me back, guys. I appreciate it. Love being on here. Um, you know, and the, the digital integrity topic um, has just sort of been resonating with me over the last little bit here. And so, you know, a, a big part of my background has been in brand development and, you know, from really from the marketing perspective. So what the logos look like and all of that sort of stuff. And I've, uh, I've been lucky to work with, um, you know, a lot of, a, a lot of really um, experienced and, um, successful like brand marketers that have done a lot of these things and um, in one of the conversations that I had it was with Seth Godin who is you know probably one of the forefront leaders in the world in this you know wrote in a bunch of New York Times bestsellers um, anybody who's in the space has basically kind of read one of his books or looked up to him and you know his his perspective to me on one project that we were working on was the brand is bigger than the word. It doesn't matter what logo you choose or the word or anything like that. Like you can call yourself banana for all you care. It's, it's what you do sort of day to day and how you carry yourself that ultimately um, uh, develops your brand and, and gets people, um, develops that brand affinity, gets people to follow your brand and, and sort of pay attention to you. And this was an easy thing to do. Like Starbucks is a good example of this, right? Their brand and a physical presence was very easy to, uh, to portray and describe, right? Everybody knew that, um, you know, almost if you blindfolded them and you walked them into a Starbucks and still hit all the signage, you could still understand that you're in a Starbucks, right? Because there's a certain smell. There's a certain way that the baristas talk to you. Um, there's a certain way that the store is designed. There's a certain selection of um, products that you can add on as well as seating and that sort of stuff. Even the background music, right? That's the Starbucks brand that comes through, right? But now with every Starbucks closed for basically drive-through only access, that brand increasingly becomes digital. And as we are all you know, quarantined or isolated or forced to do a lot of our commercial transactions now in an electronic form, this digital piece of your brand even becomes more important. How you describe yourself on your website, how you describe yourself on your social media profiles, how you interact with customers. More and more, you know, your customers would have come into your store and said something to you in person. Now that your store is closed and you're almost 100% online in a lot of cases, even restaurants and those type of places, uh, you need to um, you need to find a way to deliver that brand promise and that sort of integrity through that digital medium, right? And this is where I think a lot of brands are unsure of their next step, right? A lot of brands are doing very very good things. Um, you know, Cactus Club is a good example of it. It's a it's a restaurant chain, I, I guess, kind of Western Canada more so than anything else. But um, you know, restaurants got hit hard during this time. Dining rooms got shut down and everything. But they were able to very quickly pivot to an online model. They didn't worry so much about 
um, or at least the perception that I had was they didn't worry so much about trying to copy what they did in dining room to some sort of like digital experience. They created their own digital experience, right? They knew they weren't going to deliver the same type of food because it just doesn't translate well to a delivery service. But they did the Cactus Club version of their brand through this digital medium that is now, you know, skip the dishes and Uber Eats and Grubhub ordered through an app and doing it that sort of way, right? And so they've kind of, they've made their digital, their digital brand sort of its own thing in that regard, right? And so that's where a lot of uh, a lot of companies, I think, are having to reinvent themselves. And so this is something that, yeah, has been been the train of thought for me recently. You know, last week we were talking a little bit about this, and you know, a few points that you had made. Real you know, companies and in, I'm sort of summarizing it, which leads us to our question. So, companies and individual leaders have to be certain, in a certain extent, are being challenged by these times that are unprecedented, there's rapid recession, the pandemic that we're still dealing with to make tough decisions that will define who they are over the next decade. So as these companies are dealing with their integrity digitally and the resources that they're using, um, this leads us into many, many uh, questions around what is digital uh, integrity. So the questions that we, you and I were talking about is, they're very impactful and companies and whole industries are being forced to reinvent themselves. This is changing their financial cycles and this is going to take time. And, but this has happened before big market shifts, big changes. They happen every seven to 10 years. So as we talk about digital integrity, the questions that we uh, were talking about addressing today is, so what traits, will be admired or respected for brands as they navigate and exit these tough times. And that's going to lead us into the second question of what are some of the stories that you admire and Bob, you admire that you've seen from companies during COVID, i.e. Cactus. And then the last question is what traits of business will be valuable in the next decade as we move through and out of the COVID uh, pandemic? So let's start. Let's really dig into this and discuss what traits will be admired or respected for brands as they navigate and exit this tough time. Yeah, for, I mean, for me, it's been taking care of the people, right? Um, how do I describe this best? Like, yeah, businesses every, everywhere got hit hard, no question. Um, but a lot of businesses, you know, they, uh, like I'm thinking about NBA sports teams, right? Um, a lot of the owners uh, came out, you know, very quickly and NBA, NHL, those sort of things. And they said, all the people that work in my facilities, like I'll keep paying you guys for the next three weeks or four weeks or given period of time. Right. And so, so instantly they had, um, basically gave this big hug basically to all of their employees right for lack of a better term they just like they said i got you for the next little bit like i know this is going to be tough i don't know how i'm going to figure it out as the the owner but i know at least you know i have the you know lines of credit or whatever cash flow to be able to support something like this but they instantly took care of those people and then those people instantly said okay now i can go take care of my family i can take care of my loved ones i can do those type of things and when you as a as a as a leader say I've got your back so that you can go take care of this sort of thing. This spreads into the community, right? And very quickly, 
the, you know, the, the spouses of the people that have been said, I've got you for a little bit, like I've, uh, you know, let's take care of this. They remember that and they go, you know, that, that, that place that, that, that she works for, like they took care of us right away and it allowed me to do this while, while things were hard on, on, on my side. Um, you know, I think that the, the, the brands and the owners that, that, take care of their people first are, are largely going to be, you know, remembered. And then there's a bunch of innovation on top of that. But I think that's one of the most important things, the ones that stood by their people. And even if you're not able to, like even financially weren't able to stand by your people, because there's a lot of people in those situations, um, there was an effort or communication or, you know, very transparent that, hey, I'm doing everything that I can, and I will do everything that I can. And I've tried to get your back. But um, this is kind of the situation where, where we're at, right? You hear the opposite yeah. of some stories where hundreds of people got laid off and there's no rhyme or reason to it. And they were just kind of protecting the bottom line and stuff like that. And I think, you know, those stories will, will permeate for, uh, for years coming out of this thing. Hey, Bob, what are your thoughts as, uh, you know, with the Clips HR and the, 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 the corporate clientele that you're serving, how, how, how does this resonate? Excellent comments, guys. Uh, Tony, I really appreciate your, your uh, perspective on that. To me, uh, it seems like digital integrity is, is a lot like just the word integrity in the sense that when there is a situation that uh, the company or organization shows that they care. So you, that's number one. It's like, I'm going to care about the people in my organization. And I also care about the community. Community, the, our, our local community followed by the regional community, followed by kind of the national community, followed by the global community. So there's different levels of, of ways that you could show you care about each one of those things. And a couple of ways that, that, that I've seen happen is that people make quick decisions. So situations happened, let's get together, let's make a decision on the situation, let's um, make a decision on it, and then following the decision, be quick to act. So this is integrity too. It's like situation, we show we care, we make a decision, we're quick to act. And then the actions are followed up on because almost all actions are incomplete. When we start to do something, anything, it's like, oops, we made mistakes. Oops, we didn't do it totally right. Oops, we missed this whole piece of the puzzle, right? Because we didn't really understand the puzzle because we're acting so fast. So I think people, organizations that act with integrity um, readjust their strategies, readjust their actions, and they're also quick to come forward and say, hey, we missed a piece. We made the wrong step um, as, we're, as we're moving forward. Um, I think another uh, really important facet of the integrity part is listening. So even though you're making actions quickly and uh, taking action quickly, you're also listening to what's going on. So there's so much diversity in our own organizations and our communities that you're going to get a variety of opinions on almost anything you do. And especially in social media, where you think you're taking the right action, there's gonna be X percentage of the population that think you're not moving fast enough, not doing the right things, not being generous enough, whatever, whatever the situation is. So you, I think with integrity, you have to acknowledge those thoughts, acknowledge those comments, not necessarily follow them, but acknowledge them, show that you're listening. And so that's, 
Yeah. In the just kind of to sum it up, it's it's just showing that you're on on top of the situation. You're you're on top of the situation, and you're and you're doing something about the situation, and you're you're open to change. At the end of the day, you're you're open to change. You're open to movement. You're open to uh, people's opinions, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I think I think. What you just said, uh, how I kind of summarize that in my mind is that we've got to be willing to listen. We're all so quick, you know, to talk and we forget the ratio that we got two ears and one mouth. Really being willing to listen and learn. Then, as you said, be quick and intentional in what we're focused on and our execution. Be quick to admit when we've learned something new that changes things. I think that is really what is integral is that when we're, as we're learning and we're growing, embracing and moving forward as quickly as we can, but when we know we've made a misstep, to own it, admit it, this is what we've learned, this is the solution that we feel is gonna help our people. And I'm talking people internally and externally because it's not just about our customers and the money. It's got to be about our team because what goes on within our team will be expressed outwardly into our customers. Now, I'd like to hear, thanks Heath for that. That's, I appreciate that. Uh, Tony, when I saw you nodding your head while I was chatting because I'm not an expert in the digital world by any means. So really when you were talking, I was kind of formulating these, this response, but response of um, listening, showing care, making a decision, taking action, recreating a new action when the things that was work. I was basing that on my personal relationships, like in family, right? Mm -hmm. If there's a situation in the family, that's what I would do with my family. That's what I would do with a client, like a corporate client. That's what I would do in any particular given situation. Is Am I close about that? Is that what the digital world is all about right now? Is it this, sort of the same? Yeah, it, it, well, exactly. So everything that everything that you guys were just sort of describing with this, I was I was shaking my head because I was like, yes, these are all like these are all the core fundamental pieces, and then the the challenging piece is how do you translate that into into digital, mm -hmm. right? And so, uh, you know, a lot of the times we fall back onto these sort of hallway conversations, or like the next time we run into each other, we'll have this sort of thing you don't have that anymore when everyone's in isolation and virtual workforces and stuff like that. So you have to explicitly go out and try to recreate that in a digital, digital format. Right. Um, so with your team, like I, I like that point that you have to take care of it for like your internal people and make sure that you take care of them. Um, that communication means, you know, all hands over video conference. And even the fact that you as a, either as a, a service provider to a client or a leader or somebody in an organization, take the time to get on a video conference so that they can see your face and they can see the actual real emotion, right? Like here, I'll give you, I'll, I'll give you a perfect example, right? CrossFit is, is the, the business that I'm in and it's, you know, middle of June as we're, as we're talking about this and anybody that wants to, to, to have a good story, just Google what happened with the CEO of CrossFit now and, and, and everything that goes on. But um, he made some some missteps and some mistakes in, in how he um, 
conducted himself on social media in this digital world. And he basically shot his digital integrity apart, right? He, he made some comments that are um, highly unacceptable and he should be, um, he should be held accountable for. And as a result, he had to resign as CEO of CrossFit. Um, the point that I want to make to this, though, is even to this point, it's been going on for about a week now at this point, uh, his face hasn't been shown anywhere. Maybe inside the company. I, I can't speak for that. But in terms of the 15,000 gyms that are part of his organization as, as affiliates and the hundreds of thousands, if not millions of athletes who, who consider CrossFit the sport that they, um, that, they, that they do, they haven't seen this man's face. This man digitally blew apart his integrity by making racist comments on Twitter. And he's since apologized, I think twice via like press releases and statements and stuff like that. But uh, for me, I don't know how much that repairs his integrity, right? I read a statement. I go, okay, I've written press releases before. I know there's some idea of something. It's drafted by a copywriter. It's approved by editors, usually approved by a lawyer and a board and stuff like that before it goes out. It's a very carefully manicured um, response, right? That makes sure that you can't get in any trouble. But to this day, you have not seen this man's face on camera. And so his piece of the integrity in terms of the eyes of the community has not been repaired, right? And so that's, that's the perfect example of where in this time, while we're making these very hard decisions and things are so impactful, we're laying people off, we're choosing what jobs to rehire, a lot of businesses are having to reinvent themselves, that takes communication and transparency and honesty and and emotion and empathy. And that is hard to do through a written statement. And so when you talk about digital integrity, it's video for the people that need to have this level of like closeness and understanding of things. It's over communicating via emails and blogs and social media posts and updates and those type of things to make sure that your message gets out there, right? Especially in digital, it's a sea of things like in Twitter, there's, I don't know, hundreds of thousands of tweets a second, right? So like you can't assume that as a, as a leader or a person who's making a decision to, to make an impactful change on your business um, to put out a tweet and make that okay, right? Like you need to have an email that goes out to your email list. You have to have text messages that go out to your text message people. You need to, on all your social media channels, have your positions very clear, what you're updating, communicate what it is. And this, this helps not only your customer base, but it also helps, helps your people understand clearly what the message is so that they can kind of regurgitate that message out to their networks and their audiences and their communities and the places that they are doing it, right? And so if you don't explicitly try to make that communication digital across all of these mediums and take the time to, to find the ways that you would normally do it physically in person and translate that to a digital digital medium, then you're going to miss the integrity piece of things because you're not, the, the, the emotion isn't there. You know, you're, you're speaking a slightly, slightly less clear language to a lot of those people. Yeah, I totally, yeah. I think what really is resonating with me, what you've said is that at the end of the day, we have to be real. We have to be vulnerable if we're going to build any form of a relationship and digital relationships in our world today are real relationships. And um, we are a global community. The world has shrunk now through the digital uh, platforms, whether it be social media, email, 
on and on. It's never ending the shrinking that is occurring. So if we're not willing to own our stuff and to not hide behind the medium, as you just shared, not being visible, that people can't see your emotions. They can't see your tr the truth because if they are not able to actually visualize and see a person, the trust is broken. They're not going to say, oh, this is congruent with what he is. He just made a mistake. We can forgive that. We, can, uh, we all make mistakes. And what he's doing, he's acknowledged it. He's moving forward. And he's got a solution and, and, and a plan on how to own what he did and move forward towards basically a moral compass that is acceptable. And we all know what's right and wrong. And nobody likes to be disciplined. But the real truth is, it's always better when we just own it. I think, I think the story that pops into my head, Bob, is that, you know, my dad always used to tell me when I was a young, young kid, he goes, whatever you do, if you do something wrong, just come and talk to me and tell me what it is. Mm -hmm. But if you omit telling me, that's a lie. If you come to me and tell me a lie, your punishment will be far more severe than if you had just come to me and own it. And that is really the essence of what integrity is. Owning yeah. it, being vulnerable. I messed up, right? Here's what I'm going to do to make it right. Go ahead, Bob. What are your thoughts? Well, I, I would. Yeah, I really appreciate what you have to say there, Heath. And I, we have very like and similar values, right? Um, but what, what are your comments? Quite interesting. And like maybe Tony can address this because, again, I don't know the social media platforms that well. But you said definitively. Um, we all know what's right and wrong. And that's, that's quite interesting for me, that comment, because I like to think that, but when I'm, when I'm on social media, I get quite the opposite perspective. It's like a lot, there's quite a difference of opinion about what is right and what is wrong. And it seems to me that uh, when we're digital integrity is, is the, the issue of digital integrity is you being in full of integrity. However, what we post, what we say has to be carefully considered because of the, <laughs> Tony, finish that for me. It just seems like, man, you put two words out there that are wrong and you're lambasted, man. Like, right? And right. because people don't see it for what it is, they read the comment, they read the posting, and then they make an immediate judgment with basically no background. And it's like a firestorm with those We're two talking words. Context. Are you Pardon talking me? about context? Are we talking about context then, Bob and Tony? No. I, I, well, maybe. I mean, part of, part of it is, is just... so break this down into a few things okay first the right or the wrong people know whether they're right or wrong that is a very personal thing right so like what i believe is right and somebody else may believe is wrong we most we, we may both be correct in our assumption but we're coming from a different bias on things right so like i have my perspective because of where i've lived and my experiences and all of that sort of stuff right 
and Bob may have his experience because of that. And, you know, to, to use something completely arbitrary, like I may believe that we should not be part of the Commonwealth anymore and that the queen is a farce. And he may believe that like, that's the only thing that keeps Canada together with the Commonwealth or whatever, right? Just something that's completely opinionated, right? And, and it could be looked at as, as right or wrong from both directions. But I think the point of the integrity is that I can be honest about that and I can I can be transparent about what that is and that I'm okay with hearing the responses back from people on both sides. And I can come from a position that says, you know, something along the lines of I hear you. I don't necessarily agree with your point, but I can see your perspective on things and, you know, agreeing to disagree on things or what's the Bezos thing? It's disagree and commit in the Amazon world, right? He says... He says with all of his executives, he's like, we'll have a meeting and that's fine to disagree. But once, you know, once we decide on it, you can disagree, but I need you to commit afterwards, right? That's his, that's his big thing. And so, you know, have that dialogue on the social media and do those type of things, but you have to be willing to listen and have to be okay with just saying like, okay, it's a, it's a different perspective. And, and, you know, I, 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 one of the things that I've heard recently is when you see things like this on social media, respond do not react, right? So when you respond to something, there's a thought, there's an inherent feeling of like a thought or a process or what is my response and a response feels more curated, right? Reaction is, is a reaction, it's just that. It's instantly like pow, punch in the face, right? Like that's, that's your reaction to that sort of thing. And so in the, in the digital world, when it comes to the integrity, this is exactly, you know, Greg Glassman's problem, the CEO, the CrossFit CEO, he reacted to a medical journal or a medical institution putting out some findings about how they would deal with, uh, with racism or something like that. And I guess his bias is they're a, they're a BS organization that they always put out propaganda and it's never correct. And he reacted right he reacted and he almost out of haste or out of anger or frustration or whatever you'd want to call it but he reacted if he responded and curated a thought that put down their point and elevated his think about how much different that 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 would have been for him right and so just like he thought he was right in that regard to be sticking it to the man or whatever it was ultimately <laughs> you know, the other 6.4 billion people on the planet were like, no, man, you were wrong. Like, no, that was, that was no bueno. So I think that's where it translates through. Right. Good discussion, gents. Good discussion. You know, that kind of, uh, these examples, uh, that was really about the stories that we were going to talk about too. And these are great examples about how easy it is to, lose one's trust and integrity it takes but a moment to lose what took a lifetime to build and i think that that leads us right into talking about what are the traits of business that will be valuable in the next decade as we move through this crisis and and uh get past covid and and hopefully into some really great times. But one thing that's for certain is everything is a cycle. What goes up must come down. The seasons change, everything passes. 
So what are the traits of business that will be valuable in the next decade, Tony and Bob? Well, one of the things that comes to mind that Tony spoke about so, uh, very eloquently early was uh, with COVID coming on, there were basically seemingly uh, a couple of types of uh, situations where companies were crashing and burning, but other companies were taking on more business than they've ever had before. I suppose there's a middle ground as well. But that rapid change, like most businesses, to, to respond either way, it's like my business is now crashed, is done, right? And responding there appropriately versus, um, you know, I'm just doubled my business. How am I going to respond to that? Having the, having the management team around you, having the, the decision makers around you, having the executing leaders around you is, is absolutely critical in both those situations, I would think, to, uh, to roll things back and to roll things um, forward, right? So I think adapting to change, being, uh, being able to change is, uh, is, is absolutely critical. I also think that um, having, your, having the, the knowledge in your company that allows you to not necessarily forecast what's going to happen, but maybe be re more, more ready for change than less ready. So understanding where the economy is going, understanding where politics is going, understanding where um, your vertical is going, understanding what your competitors are doing, understanding what new technologies are out there. This is, this is really more important than ever before for CEOs, CFOs, and senior leaders in organizations, all leaders, all levels of leadership in organizations, for them to um, just be on top of what's happening in the world, not just isolated, focused here. What's going to happen in the next two or three years? You know, even, even five years. So, and, and having those discussions, bringing in experts and really up, upgrading your, your knowledge portfolio. That, those would be my contributions to that answer, bud. I like that. I, I, I love the um, agility is the word that kept popping into my mind as you were describing that, right? And in, in the software world, there's a kind of a couple different methodologies in which you can build software. Um, one of them is waterfall where you sort of build everything all at once and it's kind of not finished until the last day. And then the other one is agile, which is a more common methodology. And that is basically you plan kind of the next two weeks, maybe four weeks, but you plan just the next kind of few iterative chunks and then you roll something out that is usable and then you get feedback and you diagnose it. It's, it's very agile, right? And so it allows you to know that you're kind of heading down a path, but it allows you to be nimble in how you execute on, on that path and react very quickly and get feedback, you know, on the fly, that sort of thing. And so I think the businesses that are succeeding right now are, are the ones that have set themselves up to be agile, right? They um, are maybe asset light. Uh, they do not have a ton of debt that they're trying to service. Um, they have just business processes and methodologies that allow them to, uh, to react quick to market um, demands and market influences. I'd, I'd have to imagine that businesses that are um, inherently uh, seasonal, um, like I'm thinking clothing manufacturers and stuff like that, that are used to sort of swapping things out every three, six, 12 months, like they probably have some of the natural tendencies and, and processes built into them to be a little bit more agile like that. Um, so in terms of, 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 success in the next decade and the, and the ones that will prosper. I think the ones that will be agile will be that and it, it will be increasingly um, part of a business DNA that will be uh, favorable that businesses will want to sort of adhere to. Um, and then I, I think I think loyalty will be looked back on on businesses as well. Um, 
you know, sports teams are a model that I look at a lot, right? And you can have a successful franchise, but you may not be able to attract talent because of how you've treated uh, former, former athletes or anything like that, or if you just don't have the facilities or whatever, but there's this loyalty, right? And, and, and it goes both ways. One, in one way, it will drive people away from your business. And the other way, it will attract people in a very, um, in, in a very profound way. Um, Facebook is a good example of this, where they are one of the few companies in the Silicon Valley that actually provides both maternity and paternity leave to their, um, to their employees. And I think there's even like a spousal component to it. And like compared to Canada, where we get, I think a year and a half of maternity leave now, um, it pales in comparison. It's like 14 weeks or something like that. But compared to the other businesses that give you two weeks off to go have your child, like, you know, <laughs> Facebook is, you know, light years ahead. And it's, it's those kind of loyalty things where when things went crazy, they provided a layer of security to, um, to everybody else in their, in their business. And they had this loyalty. And so now people who, you know, they're year one into their employment with a business and they were taken care of, you can't tell me that in six months, if they thought about leaving, they're going to think about that a little bit differently, right? Like people feel like they kind of owe that to the businesses now. So if you are a business that is, that is agile um, and can stay nimble and kind of on your toes, I think you will survive the, uh, you know, the next chunk of sort of uncertainty because there's going to be a lot of change that comes out of this. Um, if you are loyal and you take care of your people first, I think those people will stay loyal to you for the most part. Um, and that will permeate through to your customer base, whatever your customer base happens to be. Um, and then I think the, you know, the, the last trait is, um, it's, it's gotta be around, around innovation. Um, I think we're going to see more innovation in more industries in the next decade than we have um, in the, in the previous, at least two decades kind of thing. Like we're talking um, restaurant and hospitality has been completely upended, right? Hotels are still not, they're still down at like 10, 20% capacity and stuff like that. Restaurants are at best 50% capacity in those type of places, right? The social societies are just kind of starting to open up those, those areas again. Education has been thrown for a loop. Absolutely. Because now all of a sudden you've got all these teachers that are trying to figure out how to be homeschool teachers, but they have none of the infrastructure or the training or the, the you know, the, the tools to be able to do this stuff effectively. And it may not be what they want to do anyway, but you're going to have a bunch of these industries that are all going to be upended. Right. And I think it's going to, I think it's going to be positive for society and for consumers overall, but there's going to be a lot of change. And so now all these tertiary industries around it that support education, that support healthcare, that support um, um, hospitality and that sort of stuff, they're all going to change. And there's going to be some businesses that end up sadly going away, but at the same time, there's whole new businesses popping up all over the place. And the ones that are innovative and are able to do that are going to carve out these huge market niches. It's out of these recessions that the giant unicorns are, are usually coming out of. And so these people that are innovative, these companies that pivot are going to be able to do this. There's one, there's a local company here in Vancouver called Nova Textiles that did this. They create, um, 
uh, a, a company I used to work for, we used to buy our mattresses from them. They did like foam mattresses and like foam products and stuff like that. Um, and they had a decent sized factory sort of down in South Surrey and they did that. And then when everything kind of went to, you know, went to crap and quarantine happened, um, not a lot of people were buying mattresses, I could, I could imagine. And so they pivoted to be the first uh, government certified manufacturer of N95 masks um, right at the beginning of this thing. Um, and Jason, the CEO there, I've, you know, I've worked with him at arm's length for, for a lot of the years when I was at the furniture retailer company, always solid guy, easy to deal with, but he's the type of leader that has these traits that said, okay, my business, I need to make my business survive, but also how can I do this in a way that actually helps the community? And so he, he pivoted his manufacturing, did all the things that he needed to do, worked with the government, got certified, did all of these things. But if you look at it, he was loyal to his employees because he found a way for them to keep busy. He's probably busier than he ever has been because of this, because he was one of the first guys to get up and going. He was agile enough to have his business in a way so that he could switch from making like kids foam mattresses to like medical devices. I can't imagine that that's a very easy parallel to, to, to come across, right? And then he was innovative enough to, to do it and to put it in place and even get out in front of the media. Now we talk about digital integrity, you can go back and this guy is in the newspapers. He had global news at his place. He was out on the digital mediums telling the world what he was working on and what he was doing, right? He was reinforcing that goodwill for his employees. They felt like, hey, they're part of some bigger mission. And you know, when they woke up in the morning, going to the office, going to work, they felt good about what they were doing because they were one of the people that was actually able to contribute back into this thing, right? And so that's just an example of like, that story keeps coming up in mind of like, the right kind of business model and that type of thing is going to be the the successful model to copy for the next 10 years. Wow. That has been powerful guys. I I've got, I've been writing feverishly from all the, the great discussion and, and, and the key points. And, you know, I really want to thank you Al for such a great discussion on this. This is a deep topic. And I think what I'm going to try to do is summarize the uncommon truth about digital integrity that we've learned today. And I know that we're gonna dig into this subject uh, more in the future because this is a very critical element to where our world is going. It is online, it is digital. And um, yeah, so here it goes. The summary of digital integrity. It is about the people. It's critical to create those relationships and create loyal ones. And how do we do that? We need to know and understand the value we bring. And really importantly, know clearly who you want to attract in your business. That requires digital integrity. What is that? Well, it's integrity. Do what you say, say what you do, be congruent, be who you are, not what you think others want to see you to be. That's how it's going to last and, and stand. You know, and as we go through this time, this is probably one of the largest, if not the largest economic transition that we will see in history in our life through this pandemic, globally speaking. And ultimately, it's proving that change is really the only consistent thing in life. We need to be agile. 
We need to embrace it, pivot, and really be willing to improvise, adapt, and overcome the challenges as they are. Well, how do we do that? Don't react. Respond. Make sure our head, which is our thoughts, our heart, which is our feelings and our passions, and our hands, our actions, are aligned. Be able to respond in a focused, clear, and simple manner for the people we want to empower. It's really about them. We need to be looking forward for them so that we can bring the value that we've set out. And we need to ask good questions. We need to learn. And from that learning, we're able to improve. And that's really the journey, I think, through all of this. With integrity, we gotta be focused on constant and never-ending improvement. The social mediums that we're using today will change. I remember the time when we didn't have email. Well, you think about it, there'll be a time when there won't be any email. It'll be a different technology that's being used in the future. What we know is change is here and change is coming. So guys, I really think that it can all be summed up on being vulnerable, be real, and really be willing to innovate, create loyalty, and move forward. And if we fail, it's only because we didn't learn. Because failure is a fantastic adventure in learning. Own it. Apologize when required. Provide the clarity that's required. And step forward and use the right platforms that are going to help you be you. Any last comments from you two gentlemen? Yeah, I think you summed it up. And, you know, at its core, this, this comes down to integrity. It's the same thing. The challenge for many of us now is how do we make sure that that integrity um, is clearly translated, communicated, and, you know, portrayed through the digital mediums that now are our storefronts. Tony, uh, where can people uh, reach out to you and, and contact you? CoachTony.ca is the best place to reach out for, for anything. That's where I do all my writing and, and publish all my stuff on there. Uh, yeah, everything else is linked to from there. So CoachTony.ca. Um, tell me go. about, tell, tell us about that book, tell the digital book. Yes. So I uh, just recently launched up on Amazon. Uh, it is called The Digital Intrapreneur. So it is the, uh, the story about um, those of us that have the entrepreneurial tendencies or traits um, to kind of own something and drive something. It's that little extra sort of like hunger that is required to, uh, to be a crazy entrepreneur. Um, but we have maybe never taken a leap. And so we live inside corporations and other companies and we, we act like business owners on behalf of the business owners. Um, and so it is a book that captures uh, my experience working in that area. And it is the sort of shortcuts and tips and tricks for uh, both aspiring digital entrepreneurs as well as digital leaders that are creating organizations like this. Excellent. Thank you very much. But Amazon, guys, get, get that book. Yes. Thank you, everybody, for joining us today. You know, as we discussed the uncommon truth about digital integrity. 
It's just be integral. Welcome. We welcome you to visit us at www.theuncommontruth.life and find The Uncommon Truth on YouTube, Facebook, and most podcast apps. Until next time, God bless. Thank you for listening today. We welcome you to visit us at www.theuncommontruth.life and find The Uncommon Truth on YouTube, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram. Until next time, God bless.